Hear that? That's the sound of your car's NCT getting closer. But this year, why not rely on an Avantcard loan rather than luck? If it's time to upgrade your car to something newer, it's time you contacted Avantcard. Avantcard offers loans from 5,000 to 75,000 euro, approval in principle in minutes, and personalised pricing made for you. Find out more at avantcard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avantcard DAC Trading's Avantcard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, we are headed for week 10. How are you doing, man? I'm great. Season is rolling along quickly. And from my perspective, the Steelers are coming off a bye. So this last week of my Steelers show has been hard to talk about, but it's really like the midpoint. You know, I do that Locked on NFL podcast. Today, I gave my Playoff predictions, midseason MVP, midseason rookie of the year, all those type of things. And that's why I want to throw something at you. Today we're going to take listener questions, but I have a question for you right off the bat. All right. Not fantasy or dynasty related. Who's the offensive rookie of the year right now? Uh, man, that is so hard to answer. I, it's a tough I one. I mean, I still want to say it's Watson right now. But can that carry through knowing he's not going to play uh, the rest of the season? So based on that, he probably faces not not long odds to win, but I, I don't think he has much mm-hmm. of a chance to to actually win the but award. But he only played like five quality games, right? I mean, the first two were a struggle. Right. Um, the first one he didn't play, but the first half he didn't play. I mean, I guess I guess I, I guess Hunt to win it. would still have to be the favorite, but he's kind of slowing down a, a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Who'd you, I mean, who'd Fournette you hasn't played in three weeks. Well, the way I did it was who wins if it happens right now, and who do I think is going to win? And I just said I didn't include Watson because I think he has got no chance. His season's over. Um, Fournette hasn't played in three weeks. You know, like I loved Dalvin Cook, but that was a very very small amount. McCaffrey may come on. I could see that. Mixon could come on. Hunt has really fallen off. But I think right now he's the offensive MVP or offensive rookie of the year. And he's still getting a lot of touches. Coming off a bad game, he's just not scoring touchdowns. I think that he probably is still the favorite to win it. Although I could see Fournette really finishing strong. But the name that nobody would think about because he's a tight end, Evan Ingram. Yeah, I mean, Ingram's obviously having a big season. He's, I think he's already being valued as the tight end four in Dynasty behind Gronk, Kelsey, and Ertz, which is exactly where I rank him. Uh, he's, he was a big mover in ADP again this month. I would assume a tight end has never won that award. I don't know. I don't think so. I can't even remember who might. I mean, Tony Gonzalez, or I, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, it's it's fun to talk about those things. You talk about the the some of the midseason awards you did on your other show, but w- when you shift to fantasy football, it's we're actually nearing the end of the season. We have, uh, depending on your depending on your yes. league format, you have 
two or three or four weeks left of the regular season and, and then it's playoff time. So uh, it is crazy how, uh, how fast the season goes by once it actually starts. Matt, like you said, we are going to take some listener questions today. We've got some good ones, a really wide variety of topics. This should be a fun and, and a good discussion. We're going to start with a question from Matt. He's asking about a contract league. I don't, you, you don't play in any contract leagues, do you? No, I'm interested about them, but this is going to be more up your alley. Okay. He says, do you attack a rebuild in a contract league the same way you do in a standard dynasty league? What things would you do differently? Um, so I, I play in several contract leagues. Um, none of them are actually salary caps. Some people um, maybe associate those two things as, as being the same contracts. Uh, if your contract... Can I stop you then for a minute? Sure. Because how do you do... I, so there isn't a set limit of what you can spend? So you're limited by, well, I'm just speaking of the kitchen sink leagues, which I run, but there's, there's a ton of other leagues that are contract only, but not salary cap. So some of them are just draft leagues. So you still have a rookie draft, you do a startup draft, and then you just assign players contracts uh, of your choice. Okay. The kitchen sink leagues and, and some other leagues like those are, uh, they're, they're auctioned. So you're auctioning everything startup rookie Devi, and so on and free agents included but it's just it's just a set amount of money so in kitchen sink we get money based on order of finish the last place team gets the most money and and so on all the way down so you're limited in how much money is available but once you get those players on your team then you can set their contracts okay so that's sort of a form of a cap right it's not like it's just willy-nilly spending. Sure, sure. So, uh, but to go back to Matt's question, this is Matt Price, our our buddy from over at DLF and uh, also one of the hosts of the DLF pod. And he's he's in a couple of the kitchen sink leagues. So I kind of think Matt is just trying to steal some info here. But, but here it goes. <laughs> um, I mean, anytime you're in a contract league, veterans are going to be more highly valued than they are in a typical dynasty league. Also, running backs are going to be more highly valued. Essentially, it's it's kind of the middle ground between a redraft and a dynasty league. So that means rookie draft picks or Devi picks, if you have those in your league, we have them in Kitchen Sink. Those are going to be worth less. Youth is worth less. So it, it, it makes a rebuild pretty tough. Uh, again, again, going back to Matt's question, because those things that we are just accustomed to uh, loading up on and valuing, namely youth and draft picks, don't have as much value. Uh, you stash a guy like, um, you know, a guy like Chris Godwin this year. He's a player that I would love to have on on most of my dynasty teams, even though he hasn't hasn't really produced yet this year. But if you're in a contract league with a three or four or five year limit, then that's that's essentially a wasted year. It, it could be a quarter of his time on your roster is a way. So it makes it tougher to take shots on later, I guess, later round rookie picks. And it, it's just, it's just completely different, honestly. So as far as rebuilding, uh, honestly, I try not to do it. I mean, I talk about the uh, productive struggle of being how I like to start some dynasty leagues, essentially losing on purpose the first year. I don't think productive struggle is a good idea in a contract league again, because you're, you're just wasting a full year of contracts for those players you have. So is it safe to say that in a league like that, 
if you analyze your team and you're like, boy, I, I have the worst roster in the league. I'm in trouble. Is it safe to say that it's much harder to get back to respectability? Well, and in some some of the league settings, the general league settings would go against you. But in other ways, you've got players coming off contract. So what you really want to do is uh, what yeah. you really want to do is load up on money. So depending on so you're dumping salary, right? You're you're dumping salary. You're dumping contracts. You're getting however you can acquire new players, specifically free agents, that's what you want, whether it's some pool of money or free agent picks, depending on how your league is set up, uh, because players are coming off contracts, and even those best teams are not going to be able to keep all of their players. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like what the Browns did a couple of years ago. If you let Jeff Schwartz and Gibson and people like that go, because we're going to spend heavy in the cap when the time comes. Our next question comes comes from John. John wants to know, why is Doug Baldwin the most undervalued player in the dynasty community? It seems to happen that way every year. I have a couple thoughts, and I found a couple of fun stats on Baldwin. As far as the why, we know he was an undrafted free agent. We've seen that with other players that it's just – it just takes longer for dynasty owners to really accept those players – after they go undrafted in the NFL draft and lacking that draft capital. And even though Baldwin is, I think he's seven or eight years into his, into his career now, some people still hold on to that and at the very least refer to it as we are now. Uh, Baldwin also had a, a bit of a late breakout or actually a, a very late breakout. He played five years before we really saw that big year from him in 2015. I looked up from 2015 to 2017. So the past two and a half seasons, Baldwin is the wide receiver six in PPR scoring of those uh, two and a half seasons combined. So it's Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Hopkins, Beckham, Fitzgerald, and then Baldwin. He's above everyone else, including uh, Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, Demarius Thomas, A.J. Green, and everyone else that you can think of. So wide receiver six is pretty impressive. I think he's kind of become well-known for a second, uh, I guess the back half of the season. That's what we saw in 2015. He and Russell Wilson just turned it on in the second half of the season. The same thing happened last year and, and many are projecting the same thing will happen this year. So when you look at that same time period, 2015 through 2017, except only looking at weeks nine through 17, the the second half of the season, he is the wide receiver too. Only Antonio Brown has outscored him over that time period. So Matt, what are your thoughts on Baldwin? Other than what I've mentioned, why, why is he undervalued? It's a great question and it's a hundred percent true. I mean, everything you just said screams that this guy is a wide receiver one and you agree with that right I mean it's wide I mean in the in the dynasty community he's a wide receiver one sure but I don't think you'll find many rankings uh mine included probably that have him in the top 12 so when you're throwing out right when you're throwing out wide receiver one it I guess it depends on how you're using that but he's he's scoring as a wide receiver one we know that yeah I mean I guess I mean it more of when I'm setting my lineup, you know, like, boom, you just check that box every time. It's not like he's old. I certainly fall victim to sort of like was alluded to, like AJ Green or Julio Jones or Calvin Johnson or Andre Johnson. And 
doesn't look like them. You know, I mean, he's diminutive and he doesn't, he doesn't look like the prototype when he walks in the door. I mean, I was going back while you were checking there. Cause I just traded for him recently on a team. That's I'm pretty good. I gave up my first and second for him on October 5th. And that's going to be a late first and a late second. And to me, that's like the definition of picking up a guy that is perennially undervalued. I mean, I'll take, I'll do that all day long for a guy that I feel like I could start and feel really good about starting for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And like you said, he doesn't really show any signs of slowing down. We know uh, no. we can expect Russell Wilson to be there for some time for the next few years. Yeah. He, he just seems super safe, but he also has that, that high floor, that high upside as well. Uh, at least on a weekly a weekly basis. So um, as far as the why, I mean, it's, it's the age and the undrafted status. I think those are those. Some of it's going to be the slot receiver. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's, there's still, uh, you know, the, the team big wide receiver and small wide receiver thing. That was, that was a hot debate two or three years ago. And there's still a little bit of that out there where people are hanging on to that. If you're not, if you're not six, three, then you're no good at, course we we've seen that's been proved uh, proven wrong many times over but still some people in that uh, in that camp though one last note on him and i think it's relevant for this weekend is or this upcoming game tomorrow is i mentioned he is, he is a slot receiver but in times i think that works to his advantage you know like twice a year they play arizona you know i mean he goes against justin bethel or some bad player and he eats him up yeah, that's a good point. Next question comes from Diego. He's asking about the uh, value over the next two years of uh, comparing David Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins. So I've got uh, hmm. I've got our latest Dynasty ADP from DLF from this month. It just hit the site today, so check that out. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was one of our big movers. He goes all the way up to three so he's the third overall player of course that data was collected before the Watson injury but uh, Hopkins still had a nice game last week without him so we'll see if he can continue that Uh, David Johnson we know the story there with his injury hasn't played for the majority of the season still a mid first rounder ADP of 6.5 and Diego also mentions what if we include the rest of the season in 2017 uh to me, it's advantage Hopkins either way. I'm almost always taking the wide receiver. Hopkins has proven whether it's a, a top quarterback, a, a strong on-the-rise quarterback like Deshaun Watson who suffered that injury, or even if it's a guy like Tom Savage, he's going to be able to produce, unless it's Brock Osweiler. I guess that's that's the only exception, right? So I, I'm taking Hopkins there, especially when you factor in the rest of this season and not getting to use Johnson. Yeah, and I mix feelings on that. So what you're saying is if you're on the clock and you can't believe it's a startup, dynasty startup, you have the 112 pick and you can't believe both guys are on the clock, you're grabbing Hopkins over Johnson. If you're I have the 112 pick, <laughs> yeah. If I have the right. 112 pick, I'm taking both. But yeah, regardless of the pick, I'm taking Hopkins over Johnson. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would say I have a much better – uh, if I had to put a chip down of who's the what who's the better and more valuable guy, 
five years from now, it certainly would be Hopkins. Probably three years from now, it probably would be Hopkins. And I think Watson, you know, he is coming back, is a very favorable asset for Hopkins. And I also look at Johnson and think, what's the Cardinals going to look like next year? I mean, it feels like it's going to be Stanton, Bortles, a rookie behind a so-so offensive line, maybe no Larry. That offense could be putrid next year. I mean, Johnson scares me as, boy, they might just totally lean on him in not a good way. I mean, it could be like Gurley a year ago. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's Hopkins, but I wouldn't have said that two months ago. No, no, I wouldn't have either. Right, right. But I I think what's happened to those big three running backs this year being Johnson, Elliott, Bell is – and Elliott and Johnson especially, they've lost some value due to the injury with Johnson, the off-field stuff with Zeke, but they've also lost some value because – the pack has has narrowed the gap. And, yes. you know, we're talking about Fournette and Cook and Melvin Gordon and Freeman. Those guys are hanging around Hunt. And and we can maybe even throw Kamara in there at this point uh, and his teammate Ingram. All of these guys are having big seasons. And the gap in value between the top three and that second tier has narrowed and, and maybe has even disappeared. Uh, Personally, my top tier is no longer three. It's it's now seven or eight or nine players. Um, so by default, that hurts the the value of of David Johnson and Zeke and Bell because the gap is not a, as large. So you don't have to spend that first round pick if you want a running back. You can wait until the second and take Cook or take McCaffrey in the third or Kamara in the fourth. Those are all options. I think that's a great point. And to take it further, don't you feel a little less confident in the Hopkins tier of receivers too? You know, namely like Amari Cooper, you know, or we had Sammy in that, in that tier not that long ago. You know, like I would much rather take the bird in the hand with Hopkins and then the second round get one of those backs you were hoping for, you know, that you mentioned. Yeah, I think that's a good point as well. Um, We've seen Hopkins establish himself or kind of reestablish himself after that down season last year. But some of the other top receivers uh, have either gotten hurt like like Beckham or they've just disappointed like Cooper and and Watkins and and others. So, yeah, I think while while running backs are on the rise, wide receivers are also coming back to that pack. So if you can get a guy that you do trust – um, maybe Hopkins or or one of the older guys, Brown, Julio, or uh, or AJ Green, and then grab that running back. That could be a good startup strategy as well. Yeah, well said. And talk about good strategy, Ryan. Let me tell you about our friends at Harry's. I quickly found out. Uh, I mentioned this to you last podcast, everyone out there, that I've I've been doing podcasts for a very long time. Back to my ESPN days, it's probably my 14th year of podcasting in some way, shape, or form before I even knew what a podcast was. And one of our former sponsors was Harry's. And up until that point, all I had ever used is an electric. And I shave every day. I hate when I get a beard. I'm kind of a dork about it. And I have really sensitive skin. I had a great system. And then Harry sends us our stuff. And I'm like, well, I got to try it. And now I'm hooked. And now I'm super psyched that Harry's is backing us here at Dynasty Blueprint as well. And what you need to do in order to be hooked like I am is go to harrys.com slash dynasty. And here's what's going to happen. Harry's is so confident that you're going to love their blades 
they'll give you a free trial shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com slash dynasty. All you have to pay for is shipping. Everything else is free. Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price, which is why over 3 million dudes have switched to Harry's. Jeff and Andy, they're just two ordinary guys who are fed up with buying overpriced razors. They started Harry's to fix shaving, and I think they have. They brought their own German factory with over 100 years of blade-making experience to ensure the highest quality. All products are backed by a 100% quality guarantee. Harry's offers their blades at half the price of the leading five-blade razor, selling directly to you over the internet. You claim your free trial offer from Harry's today. It's a $13 value for free when you sign up. All you got to do is cover shipping. And the free trial set includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle, which feels great, Five precision engineer blade with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. So this is what you do. You go get your free trial set. You go to harrys.com slash dynasty right now. That's harrys.com slash dynasty. Trust me. Matt, our next question comes from Thad. He says, can you please discuss Superflex strategy for upcoming rookie drafts? Uh, we talked earlier in the show that it is getting late in the season. Some teams are pushing to make the playoffs. Other teams, maybe that's out of the question, and they're looking already towards uh, what their rookie picks might bring them, which is, even though we hate losing, that's, that's always a fun time of year too. So it's, it's good to begin that process. This is going to be a really interesting draft class. Obviously, lots of time for things to change, values to change, and for us to learn more about these players but the way I see it is probably the way everybody sees it right now. Saquon Barkley is going to be the 1.01 in virtually every draft, regardless if it's super flex or not. Uh, and I think for the most part, it, at least for now, though this is n- not nearly as safe, Darius Geis is still going to be the second pick. After that, I, I'm looking at my rankings, mm-hmm. looking at DLF rankings and, and, and several other resources. That next tier to me, is 16 players deep when you're talking about a super flex league. So you've got a top tier of one, a second tier of one with very little separation to this third tier of 16 players. So I've I've got a list. It's insane. I've got a list of 18 players here with very little value difference, at least in my opinion, between the 1.03 and the 2.06. So my strategy there is, Get Real quick, Ryan, if you don't mind, if it was not super flex, how big is that tier? Like how many of those dudes are quarterbacks? So five are quarterbacks, Darnold, Lamar Jackson, okay. Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. Um, so uh, you still have the, the remainder of round one plus a guy of its tier of its own. Right. Non super flex. Wow. Right. And just, just to throw out names and again, plenty of time for things to change. And uh, maybe I forgot some as well, but you've got Cortland Sutton, Equinemia St. Brown, James Washington, all wide receivers, Nick Chubb, Ronald Jones, the second couple running backs, uh, Ridley, Bryce Love, Deion Kane, Christian Kirk, Alden Tate, Damian Harris. Uh, I think those are all the running backs and wide receivers. <clears throat> so all of those players to me right now, very little separation in their value or how I would rank them. That means I want second rounders. I want as many second rounders as I can because I think people value first and second rounders. Dramatically different. Dramatically different when they really shouldn't, especially if you're talking about an early, uh, an early second rounder. So So, you're especially for super flex, like you said though. Right. 
Right. Okay. But, but even in even in a typical dynasty league, a one quarterback dynasty league, I would much rather right now target a pick that I project to be the two one to two three than I would a late first round, just because of the the price difference is going to be so again so dramatic and so large. What do you think of this strategy though? Like, okay, I'm gonna brag for a second. I'm in hyperactive four. I'm undefeated, which is all true by the way, and. I offer, I'm talking to a team that is probably going to end up with the fourth, fifth, sixth pick, something like that. They're not terrible, but they're not a contender. And I throw in something along the lines of, well, hey, why don't we swap first too? Because, you know, that's what I was thinking is the contender can maybe fool the non-contender into thinking, swapping what might be the fifth pick for the 11th pick in the first round is more beneficial to them than it really is. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on the other parameters, the other pieces of that deal. But again, as we get later and later into the season, I think every everybody that plays in an even somewhat serious dynasty league has a, has a good idea of where they're going to be picking. So yeah. Yeah. If you can pull that off, go for it. But first rounders are already tough enough to acquire. And uh, like I said, I think everybody has a pretty good idea of, of where they're going to be picking. Um, So yeah, we'll just depend on, on the rest of that deal. Uh, Next question from, um, from Ryan. He says he's got some IR players on the waiver wire, Tyler Eifert, Kevin White, Malcolm Mitchell, Spencer Ware, and Quincy Anunwa. Should he grab any and stash them for 2018? Uh, to me, Tyler Eifert is the player yes. that stands out there. Uh, he's lost a ton of value. Dynasty owners are super frustrated with him. He's, uh, he, I think he entered the season probably as the tight end three or four. And uh I'd say most people would rank him outside of the top 10 at this point. So certainly has lost some value, but unless you have less than 20 roster spots, I think he is still worthy of a roster spot, worthy of keeping and hanging on to holding on your roster. Uh, what about the other guys there, Matt? Kevin White, Malcolm Mitchell, Spencer Ware, and Quincy Anunwa. If you're picking one of those, who are you taking? Yeah, Eifert certainly stands out. I guess white, but yuck. I mean, man, all those guys, I kind of look at this way that if I'm keeping CJ Beathard on my team, or for some reason I have two defenses or an extra kicker and I'm done with those guys for the bye week. And I can have one of those guys at the end of my roster, or certainly if I have a, an open IR spot, great. But if I have to cut them, I don't mind losing any of them. You know, like I do have Kevin White on my active roster on one team because somebody dropped them in like week two and I had a spot, so I grabbed them. But if I had to drop them, I wouldn't cry. You know, I, I mean, and I expect somebody would probably pick them up. But all those guys don't really excite me. Mitchell, I guess, I, I, I've kind of changed my mind. I guess Mitchell the most. I mean, he's young, he's in a good situation, uh, but there's a lot of guys ahead of him. Yeah, Mitchell Mitchell's the guy I had circled as well. Um, but just looking at this list and thinking about my own teams, I, I've held Spencer Ware on two teams all season long, uh, not even on IR, just on my active roster. And mm-hmm. w- we've seen what Kareem Hunt is has done, <laughs> even though he's slowed down the past couple of weeks. 
Spencer Ware is not taking that job. And, no. and barring an injury, I don't know. He may not even be on that team next year. So that's what I was thinking too. I'm not. I'm not sure what I'm doing there. I need to. I need to get rid of him. So yeah, I'm, I don't think anybody was rush, running to pick him up. No. And even oh, like a Noonwood stock has really gone down. I mean, like I held him for a while thinking, boy, the Jets are awful, but at least a was a decent player for him. Like Robbie Anderson's way better than a You know, like they may not even look at him as a fixture player for them either. Yeah, I think, uh, again, Eifert clearly stands out on that list. He would be the player I would grab. I'm going to let you handle the next question. I know you have a strong opinion about it. Walter wants to know, should your dynasty league have a trade deadline? And if so, when is reasonable? Yeah. And I kind of feel this way for the NFL and NBA and major league baseball and all these things too. I've never been told and especially fantasy. Why do we need a trade deadline? I know it's just always existed. So we have one, but why does it have to happen? I mean, why is it so terrible to make a trade Super Bowl week or week 13 of fantasy? You know, I mean, it, it keeps those guys that are out of it involved. You know, you can still call them up and say, hey, I'm going into the Super Bowl and I lost my starting receiver. I'll give you my first round pick for a guy that's not worth a first round pick. I mean, isn't that a great situation for a team that's down and out to really get a ton for, you know, an asset that the, that the, someone's desperate for, cause they might win the Super Bowl. Yeah. As, as the dynasty commissioner, I think the reason is uh, for me, at least it, it's pretty much what you said. That's, that's the way we've always done it. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to changing it. I know at least in most of my leagues, it's, it's tough to make changes. We've got, yeah, that's a good it's point. tough to get everybody to agree to something like that. So I'm not opposed to it. If you do have a trade deadline, I think, I think probably week one of the playoffs or, you know, once the playoffs begin, that's probably a fair time to have a trade deadline if you're going to have one, but I'm, I'm coming around. You're, you're convincing me. Maybe we just shouldn't have one at all. As an owner, one of my least favorite things in fantasy is that helpless feeling that no matter what, I can't help my team. Yeah. Interesting question from Chris here. He says, what kind of value does the dominant team defense like the Jaguars have in a dynasty value? Uh, Funny you ask. He mentions that uh, defenses don't get traded very often, but they put up huge points this year. I I had to look. I don't – I'm a defense. I traded the Jags less than 24 hours ago. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's funny you ask. I'm pulling it up to just to make sure. But it, remember when – I forget who we had on, but we all talked about our best team, our worst team. Right. Well, it's my worst team, and for some reason, I'm four and five. But the roster is so bad. I mean, like, I don't consider myself a contender. Maybe I could still get in the postseason because for some reason I've won four games. But my average points for is second worst in the league. I mean, this team stinks. And one of the things that's been really helpful this year, though, is I had the Jags D. So maybe, I mean, that might have inflated my points even more so. But this team is bad. And I have Odell, who's obviously not helping either. But I traded them yesterday for to the team that is 8-1. and one, And he's been struggling with team defenses. And clearly, he's in it to win it. Um, I gave up, I gave him back his second round pick, which we had done a trade before. So it's a pick that I think is going to be 23rd, 24th overall. And I gave him the Jags D and I got Marlon Mack and a 19 third. 
Yeah, I like that for you. Um, and I don't even love Mac, but I need everything I can get. Yeah, exactly. Anything you can get when it comes to trade value, especially in the situation that you're in where you you don't even necessarily want those points uh, on a week-to-week basis. <laughs> right, right. In general, for a contender to trade for for a defense, I don't know. It would have to – I mean, I guess a third rounder is probably – the most I would be willing to give. And that, that feels that's what he offered me to start the bidding. Right. Was a third rounder. And I'm like, Oh, maybe I can move a defense for something. Let's then I said, uh, give me Mac straight up. And he kind of laughed at me. So <laughs> we went back and forth. <laughs> yeah. I think you did well on that deal. Uh, even taking the pick downgrade there probably, probably won't be much of a downgrade in the end. It sounds like so. To Chris's question, yeah, I mean, we you don't see team defenses traded very often for a reason because the majority of dynasty owners don't trade them or uh, don't don't value them, and, and you've seen several leagues just going to totally removing defense from from the lineup, which is what I would like to do in most of my leagues. But if you have the Jags, of course, that's a big advantage. Most of their key players on defense are young. They continue to make that a priority. So it is a defense that most likely is going to be good for uh, the next two to three years. And if you want to throw a third-round pick, I guess I guess I can see the reasoning behind that. I definitely wouldn't go more than that, though. I wouldn't give up Marlon Mack, honestly. Right, and you know he did upgrade in picks, but still, I was thrilled to do that. Um, just one side note on a personal level, and it's a big advantage because this is what I do for a living, and most people don't in my dynasty leagues. They have real jobs. But I always have a good team defense. I mean, I always pick up just because that's what I do for a living. I mean, like in the off season, I always add a team defense that ends up being top five, top seven, you know, like because I know what I'm talking about. Next question from Kelly. Is C.J. Beathard destined for the bench long-term, or is there a chance he'll develop and be a starter somewhere else? Uh, of course, the Niners went with Beathard, benched Hoyer, and then after two starts, traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, today, they, the uh, head coach there, Shanahan, was essentially noncommittal about who's going to start going forward. So it's, it's just a matter of time before they're uh, putting Garoppolo in the lineup. Matt, did you see anything from Beathard in those two? I guess he's gotten three starts now uh, that gives you any hope for the future for him long-term. I mean, not to be a fantasy asset, no. I think the Browns did this a year ago when they drafted Kessler in the third round. That you have a, I think Beathard will always be like your stopgap guy. That, And when it's said and done, he'll probably have a career like the guy they just shipped out, Hoyer. And when times are tough and the Niners uh, top quarterback isn't playing well, or, you know, Kaiser's not playing well, we saw it last year, you go to Kessler and he is who he is. And hopefully he's Frank Reich. You know what I mean? Like when Kelly has something wrong with him, you bring Reich off the bench and he's your 10 year backup in San Francisco and starts a handful of games and you have him for the next three years and costs very little against your cap. And, you know, a terrible situation in the NFL is when you have like an $8 million backup, you know, and they're not that good to begin with, you know, like, so if you can avoid that situation with them, I think that's good GMing by the, by the Niners. But in the end, I, it, it's a real far stretch for me to imagine a week where I click the box, check mark Bethard, I'm going to start him this week. 
Yeah, so I don't see much there, again, from a dynasty perspective. Probably does not even deserve to be on a roster outside of maybe a super flex league. A couple questions focused on some of the big stories around the NFL. Uh, Our listeners were kind enough to, to ask those of us and set us up here. Joseph says, Josh Gordon, we know his floor but is his ceiling still an elite wide receiver, even if just for a few seasons? Again, we know the deal there. Gordon was uh, conditionally reinstated. Uh, I think he is back back with the Browns. He's not fully practicing yet. I think the date for him to begin practicing, I believe, is November 20th, and then he can start playing the next week. So we're still uh, two to three weeks from, uh, at, at least, from seeing him on the field. Uh, he came out today and said he wants to be, I think his com- his quote was he wants to be the best wide receiver of all time is his, is his goal now. So, so do I. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Josh Gordon, what are you, what are you doing with him? Are you, are you buying him? Are you dumping him wherever you had him? If you were still holding on, do you believe that he can be a real asset? Is he going to stay with the Browns? I've got lots of questions, Matt. What do you think? Yeah, I don't have a lot of answers either. I mean, I would love, hopefully we get the opportunity to at least see him on the field and you could say, boy, he looks terrible. Or, wow, he's really moving around well. And I would assume other GMs in the league are thinking the same thing, that from the Patriots. And, I'm gonna, you know, if the, if the Browns want to move on from this guy, get him out of the locker room, start over, draft one high, Corey Coleman comes back, whatever. I think anyone that would be even consider bringing Gordon in at least wants to see what he can do. But that doesn't answer really the question of if I have him, what do you, would you move him for? I mean, certainly would take a second. I don't think I'd take a third, but I don't have much faith in him and I'm not actively pursuing him. I wasn't impressed with how he played the last time he was on the field. His situation's awful. I mean, the bears aren't going to look at him and say, he's the answer to all of our problems and he's going to be our number one receiver for the next 10 years. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess he's just a flat out hold. Are the bears going to cut him? Uh, the the uh, Browns, excuse me. Yeah. I don't know. Why wouldn't they by now? I mean, they've had many opportunities to, and right. we know they love draft picks. I mean, if, if they can, I think anything that they look at, including like an Osweiler situation, they'll do to get a draft pick. True. So again, Joseph's question was, is his ceiling still an elite wide receiver? It sounds like your answer is no. It would really surprise me. I mean, he's really only had one good year. I mean, and that was a long time ago and it was a great year, but boy, I'm going to have a hard time getting back on that train to say he's an elite receiver. Yeah, I I would agree and echo all that. I would I would also sell for a second round pick, like you said. Uh, next question from Carol Carell. Sorry, not not sure about that pronunciation, but he wants to know about T. Y. Hilton. Uh, are we selling T. Y. Hilton given the uh, latest on Andrew Luck? And of course, the Colts finally put Luck on the injured reserve list, and then it, since then we've seen and heard some some whispers that this might just be it for luck. He he either may never be the same or he may just never play again. This that'd be so unfortunate. I just don't know I don't know and 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 don't understand what has happened regarding the shoulder injury, but I mean this is just this is sickening the way 
the way this has played out, the way the Colts have handled this, uh, it's it's just been so frustrating. But what are we doing with the rest of these pieces? Which at this point, the rest of these pieces is basically just just T.Y. Hilton. Moncrief has has been a complete non-factor this year. Jack Doyle's ha- has had a good year again, he has but been good, yeah. I don't I don't think anybody is valuing him as a long-term asset. So it's it's really just how will luck or or possibly the um the absence and and luck being out of the lineup affect Hilton. Are we are we dumping him based on that? It's tough. I mean I think for redraft you sell Hilton this second because he just had a really nice game. And he is a very good player. But the situation's bad. For Dynasty I feel like you're selling too low on a guy that led the league in, league in receiving last year and is in the in his prime. Maybe there was even rumors that he might get traded, which had never made sense to me. But maybe this offseason, somebody blows their doors off and gives him a first-round pick, kind of like a Brandon Cook situation, and he ends up in a better situation. Um, that's tough because they do have Brissett, and, you know, it's better than – what the Giants have behind Eli or something like that, that maybe Brissett's a serviceable player a year from now with a better offseason. I don't think you can sell him for what you get for him. I might even consider buying him on the cheap for Dynasty. I think that's closer to where I am. We we have seen him produce without luck, of course, and uh, this year has been really up and down for him. He's had some huge games, as we saw last week, but um, also some <laughs> – some performances where he he basically did nothing um, yeah. whether you want to blame the quarterback situation or just really just the offense in general that team needs an overhaul I'm interested in your thoughts on this if uh, let's say at some point this offseason we learn worst case scenario for luck he's never going to play again do the Colts draft a quarterback early or do they just go with Brissett hmm probably draft a guy early and trade Brissett maybe get a third-round pick out of him or something like that. That's a tough call because I like Brissett. I, I really do. And I think that the Patriots are going to regret giving help on him for very little. I don't know. I don't have a great answer for you there because they have a lot of other needs, that's for sure. Right. Maybe get Brissett a year and draft heavy around him and build around him, give him 16 true games and 19 to see what he can do. I mean, I think the the problem with the Colts – um. I'm not a huge. There's a lot of them. Yeah, I'm not a huge NBA fan, but um, if I if I have a team, I would say I'm a Knicks fan, and everybody knows that's that's not a good thing. They've uh, have been a struggling franchise for years and years, and really the reason is because of their owner, because of ownership there. Right. And it's the same thing with the Colts. It's the same yep. thing. It's not you know they're. They can fire their coach. They're probably going to fire Chuck Pagano. Um, they've already fired their GM and and made the change there. And I just don't know that any of that matters. They're still going to they're still going to have these struggles as long as their ownership remains the same, which is really frustrating because that's that's the hardest thing to change with any sports franchise. And Peyton Manning's not walking through the door to make all those things go away. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we've got a trade question from Eric. Uh, thoughts on trading a 2018 first, which is a top three. Uh, l- looks like it's locked into a top three pick. Adam Thielen, Jarek McKinnon, and Jack Doyle. So you're getting oh no, you're getting a big pick. This is all one side of the trade. A top. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A top three pick 
Thielen, McKinnon, Doyle. On the other side, Robbie Anderson and Kareem Hunt. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so let's kind of cut out the fluff here. You're getting the pick and Thielen for Kareem Hunt. Right. That's how I was going to look at it too. I would ask him, what are the chances it's 1-1? Right. That's what I was going to say. If it's 50% or better, I'm just holding that pick. Yeah, it goes back to what I was mentioning with the tiers in the rookie in the rookie drafts. If it's if it has a chance at 1-1, I want that. If it's looking like 1-2, then has has some pretty clear value to me. But then a drop off to 1-3 and and beyond. If it's 33% so, it's 1-3, then I'm making the deal for sure. Right. You know, if it's equal parts being one, 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 two, one, three, maybe I'll be mad when it's all said and done, but at least I have Kareem Hunt. Right. So you're taking, uh, yeah, you're taking Hunt on that side. I, I would agree. So let me ask you this along those lines. If I have Saquon Barkley, would you give me any running back in football form right now? Is he your number one running back in Dynasty this second? No, I don't think he is. Uh, now, I've seen plenty of people and people I respect say that, yes, he is, that they'd rather have him than. I think uh, I would. Yeah, that they'd rather have him than Elliot or Bell or mm-hmm. DJ or Gurley or anybody else. Gurley was one of the running backs we we didn't mention earlier. For me, he's he's in that tier. He's in that top tier, which I think, I think that <laughs> says a lot. Yeah. Um, I think he will be a first-round startup pick this offseason, which – I've collected ADP for DLF now for five or six years, and that's never happened. Zeke was not a first-rounder. Fournette was not a first-rounder. Cooper or Gordon or Gurley, none of those guys were first-rounders as they entered the league, and I think I think Barkley will be. So to me, that, that says a lot about what his value is already. I think our first question was who has more value, DeAndre Hopkins or David Johnson? What if you put Barkley in that sentence? I want him over Johnson, it, just just for age, if nothing else, just to buy back some years. Mm-hmm. He would be really close with Hopkins for me. So Hopkins was our third player in Dynasty ADP this month in November. It was uh, Evans and Odell Beckham actually tied at the top, and then Hopkins. Uh, so I, I think I'm taking those three over him, and then for me, that's that's where the conversation starts, where he's lumped in with some of those un- other running backs we have already named, along with some of the other top wide receivers. It's a good group. It's a good group. Yep. Yeah, you make the argument, though, not knowing is where he's going to land, that he is one. He's the number one running back. I think if you had a dynasty startup draft right now and rookies were available, 2018 rookies, mm-hmm. I think you would see him going number one overall. So if you had if you had 10 drafts, 10 startup drafts start right now, mm-hmm. and at least one or two of them, he would be the number one overall pick. Ahead of Odell? I think so. I could see it. I mean, like, who – I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, where's an awful landing spot for him? Well, I mean – I don't know what the – if you think about who's going to be picking early, you know, maybe the same team, that we, the same team we talk about all the time. Right. But is yeah. it that bad? I, Cleveland, San I would, Francisco. I would have said no Indy. in the preseason. You know, I, I was, I really liked what the Browns were doing, loading mm-hmm. up on picks and, and they had some young players we liked. 
and I don't even care about the losses. It's, I mean, it seems like, yeah, it seems like he's, he's lost that team. I think he's going to get fired and then they're just starting over again. But good O line. I don't know. Maybe they sign cousins. I mean, like, or San Francisco. I mean, that's, that would be that bad. That would be awesome. Oh, I think he's, I think he's, I think that's a great spot for him just with what we've seen from Shanahan, what he's done with other running backs in the past. Mm-hmm. So yeah, San Francisco, he's easy one, one, not in, in rookie drafts. Of course, he, he's probably easy one, one, no matter, uh, no matter where he lands in rookie drafts, but yeah, San Francisco, he would be, uh, that'd be great. It, it'd be tough to pass on him with any draft pick. How about Indy? Just that's not, I, that's not awful. I, I don't mind the spot, but yeah, it's what I just said that I, especially if Luck's back at this point, I just don't trust that uh, that ownership to do anything right. Yeah. So I would, but if they, I if would they had Luck, that could be a good offense. I would not like, I would not like Indy for him. I hear you. Let's get a but couple I, I mean, more. I'm just thinking the worst case scenario where he could end up for a team that's bad right now. Isn't all that awful. Or even the jets, if they don't win another game, I mean, none of them would crush his value. No, no. His, I mean, his value is going to, it's going to stand up no matter where he goes. I don't know. Maybe, maybe an injury would be. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm, I'm thinking even if again, worst case, if he tears his ACL this weekend, I think he's still, he's still probably the one Oh one. Yeah. I, I mean, don't, even I don't think that would change it late in the process and we don't see him ever work out. Yeah. We've got some player value questions uh, from a few different folks. Marco wants to know about Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron Jones in our Dynasty ADP, uh, fresh off his uh, his strong games a few weeks ago, was the running back 22 with an overall ADP of 68. If we're, again, if we're redrafting right now, he's not even sniffing that number. He's probably outside of the top 100. And, they came out today and, and essentially said they're going to use a running back by committee with Jones and Ty Montgomery and probably even Jamal Williams mixing in with that as well. So Yuck. Uh, that's, that's all it takes for his value to, to plummet. I don't mind buying him right now. I mean, he's, he's gone from, he's gone from a really hot asset just a week or two ago to, you know, to losing some value and, and maybe people are frustrated that they, that they have him. Maybe they started him last week like I did and just have a bad taste in their mouth. So uh, get him for, get him for a late second. Maybe that might be worth it. Oh, wow. I would do that in a heartbeat. I was going to say, would you give up a late first? I don't think he would cost a first. I'm not with that committee. I, I don't think so. Now Montgomery to me is just a soft tissue injury waiting to happen. So yeah, I mean, buy him now and then profit in the next couple of weeks. It's funny because that league I mentioned where I traded the Jags D, that same owner offered me his first for Jones a week ago, and I turned it down. And I, you know, be a late first. Jones' stock was obviously higher then. They were on a buy than it is now. And I turned it down and I tried to get the first and Mac from him, actually. And he kind of didn't do that. Yeah. But I mean, has his, he's still a quality player, and Aaron Rodgers isn't dead. Yeah, like I said, I don't mind buying him. I just I don't think yeah. he would cost a first, and I wouldn't pay a first. But I wouldn't have paid a first a week ago either. I'd give up two mediocre seconds for him right sure. now. 
that's probably what it would cost. Anthony, yeah. Anthony wants to know about Marvin Jones. What's his current value? Rising. I was, I was shocked when I looked at ADP. He's outside of the top 100. He's the wide receiver 50 in our brand new uh, Dynasty ADP. But over the past month, week six, seven, eight, and nine, he is the wide receiver two in fantasy, and he's the wide receiver 16 uh, on the season overall. We've seen in the past year and a half with these guys in Detroit, we've seen hot streaks from Jones, and then it flipped to Tate. Last year's hot streak for Jones didn't last long. That first first month or first three weeks, I think, when he was uh, he was the wide receiver one at one point, and I, I think he put up a 200-yard game maybe in week two of last season. And then he just faded as Golden Tate took over. This season we've seen Tate start strong and Jones uh, fairly quiet, and then and then it's kind of flip-flopped over these past over this past month. So, yeah, certainly rising. If you can get him for a second and you're a playoff contender, I, I love that deal. Same thing with, with Aaron Jones. I, I can't give a first for Marvin. No, I can't either. And I would be shopping him like crazy if I had him right now. But, I mean, I'm sort of also a believer that – you know, I'm buying for a second. I'm selling for a first. I mean, in redraft, I drafted him and I cut him like four weeks ago or five weeks ago because I needed a kicker or something on a buy or, you know, how it goes in redraft. And now he's on fire. But I do think he's a streaky guy. I'm a huge Stafford believer. You know, so I'm, I think the quarterback is very well set for eternity. And I don't think considering the state of the Lions team, they're going to use any major assets on wide receivers. You know, you got Galladay, you got Tate, you got Jones. That's good enough. You need a lot of other things. All right, Matt, let's finish up. We've got a couple of quick hitters here. Samuel wants to know Devontae Parker, Corey Coleman value. Parker's the wide receiver 21 in November ADP. Corey Coleman is wide receiver 31. Which one of those guys would you rather have and keep on your roster? Parker, but I'm a believer in both, and I kind of have been since day one. Uh, Parker, I think, has more touchdowns in him, safer quarterback situation, no cursed franchise or less of a cursed franchise. Yeah. For me, it's Parker pretty easily. I'm I'm selling yeah. Coleman if I have him. Uh, our buddy Dangle. Coleman might be back this week, by the way. Maybe he does something the second half of the year. Uh, he, needs, he needs to Better. recoup his value so I can sell him. Uh, Dangle wants to know Deshaun Watson or Dak Prescott. Watson was cool. qu- quarterback four in Dynasty, in November Dynasty ADP. Dak quarterback seven, but only eight spots between uh, between them. That shows you how bunched in those uh, those quarterbacks are. Of course, the ADP was pre-injury. The question is post-injury. I think you have to take Prescott, right? I was going to take Watson. Oh, and I think what I think Prescott's the better player, but I think if one of them's going to be special and be a top five type quarterback their entire career. It's Watson for fantasy. I'm pretty happy to have either one of those guys on my roster. So uh, it's, it's tough to pick. I'm taking Dak just because of the, uh, the rest of this season that you get versus uh, Watson being done. But uh, overall I want, I want either one of those guys. Uh, Last one, last question from Tubaca. That's a, that's a good one. Tubaca. Alshon Jeffrey value, Devontae Adams value. Jeffrey's wide receiver 22, ADP overall of 41. He's falling. Devontae Adams, wide receiver 19, ADP of 35. So they're in the same range. I'd rather have Adams pretty easily. What about you? I guess, but I could see Philly being happy enough with Jeffrey to sign him to a three-year deal or so. 
And if he's Wentz's number one receiver for that duration, I don't know that his stock would drop. But I think I'd rather have Adams. Free agency. Jordy isn't long for this world. Free agency this offseason is going to be so much fun. We've oh, yeah. we've talked for years about that class of 2014 and how impactful that was in the NFL and in fantasy football, especially in dynasty leagues. A lot of those guys are going to hit the open market along with guys like uh, like Alshon Jeffrey on that one-year deal with Philly. So uh, that will be fun. Thanks again for all the questions. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.